Welcome to season two of Get Well Sooner, a podcast where we take a skeptical look at the things people do to get well. I'm just kidding. Season two, this is podcaster speak for my life went off the rails for a bit, y'all, and I'm going to try and be back. And so let's say this is the season two. I think the season two theme is Sarah is mad. Sarah is mad. (laughs) I had some pretty unfortunate things happen and they may be mad, but I would like to remind you that this is a rather unedited podcast inspired by my therapist telling me to make a podcast. And so if you're on board, if you're in for the ride, let's buckle up and get started with today's topic, which is love languages. So I'm going to do like a mini breakdown of why I want to talk about love languages. I was in a semi like abusive sort of work relationship for the past, I guess, almost a year. And there were a jillion signs, so many of the signs, all the signs that I should step back and maybe not work with this person. But I really liked them and I wanted to have a buddy. I didn't want to work by myself. I wanted to learn from other people and be a team because that sounds fun. And uh, like a month ago, I got a troubling email from this person. I emailed this email to my therapist and they said, okay, I got to a certain line and I'm just going to (laughs) stop because this line off the bat is not okay. So this email was a work email. So the person had been mentoring me, certainly not something I forced them to do. It was a suggestion by them that they do that. They had become tired of me, I don't know, learning from them and not being helpful or something like that. So they said, I've never asked for money. I don't want any money, but I would like to be paid in acts of service. So this brought up a lot of fury in me because I had already looked into the love languages before on a date night and discovered that they are bullshit. And so bringing the love languages into an email about work, it was just the last straw for me. I mean, it wasn't the last straw. There were a couple more straws, but it was one of the last straws. And so I, you might be like, oh, that sounds reasonable. Like you want to The person wants you to do work for them in exchange for all the work they did for you. And okay, that sounds like maybe something that could be okay. But on top of the fact that when you create those sort of situations, you need to spell it out at the beginning. And you should always be more specific than you need to 
repay me in my love language in a, in an amount that I decide. That means I'm in debt forever. If you, if that person gets to decide when I have adequately paid back the value of my mentorship in acts of service, which is not professional, I would say. It's not how I... this entire email was meant to be very professional and it missed the mark on so many spots but especially this love language spot because even though I'm sure the the author of the love languages has probably horribly written some sort of love language for a co-worker's situation I don't know if he has but he is not a psychologist he is not a counselor. He is no one. <laughs> so the love languages, if you are not familiar with them, this is like something that gets tossed around a lot. And I was, I definitely was a person who was a big believer in the love languages and was always like, okay, my love language is, is words of affirmation and your love language is acts of service. So I really need to do more things for you and you need to say nice things to me. And that's what, that's how it is. That honestly with literally everyone I dated, that seemed to be always the situation. But then I got this silly, silly book that's like scratch off a date idea. I'm, I saw it on my boss's Instagram, so I'm pretty sure it was like targeted for a couple that already had three kids. I'm trying to spice things up, but I don't go on date nights enough and I would like some ideas, especially ones that don't cost money. So I got this book. We, and, but you scratch the date night off and you don't know what it's gonna be, but you have to do it. And so this one date night, we scratched it off and it said, something like take the love languages quiz and then talk about your love languages, which to be honest, that sucks as a date. I hate it already, but we had to do it because we scratched, we did, we scratched it off and now it was our date. And so in order to do the love languages quiz, you can just Google a love language quiz, which is what I'm going to do right now. Love language quiz free. Great. The first thing that comes up is fivelovelanguages.com and then the love language TM quiz. Okay. So this, in this situation, it is not transcendental meditation. It is trademarked. This is the love language quiz. So I'm going to click on it and it's going to, and it says, okay, love language quiz for couples, singles, teens, and children all the people. Take this quiz to discover your primary love language, what it means, and how you can use it to connect better with your loved ones. When you're finished, you may print, share, or save your results for the future. They will not be saved automatically. Okay, so maybe we'll take that later, but if I can just see what these love languages actually are. If you could list them for me, that would be great. Fivelovelanguages.com. Oh, gotta take the, gotta take the quiz to find out. Five love languages. What are they? Okay. 
here we go. So, right, we've got quality time. We've got words of affirmation. We've got acts of service. We've got giving gifts and we've got physical touch. It's like a personality test you take. You just, it's also kind of like a Cosmo <laughs> quiz, Buzzfeed quiz, whatever you want to call it. And so then like all of these quizzes, whichever options you choose the most, I guess there's five, usually five options. And if you choose the gifts option the most, then you, that's your love language. Now, I'm sure a lot of you can already see a problem with this which is retestability, like how are, how scientific is this? Have people tested that people answer the same every time or, and if not, how long can we go thinking, okay, my love language is gifts before it's like, oh, time to retest. Is it days? Is it weeks? Is it months? Is it years? Because the way that I understood it before was I was like, okay, my love language is words of affirmation. And then this date night, we looked it up. We did the quiz, and I got my top love language is gifts. Now, <laughs> I don't know about you, but if you think about all those different things, quality time, physical touch, acts of service, gifts, like what kind of evil Cruella DeVille <laughs> capitalism monster am I that I got gifts as the top one? I just, every time, every question that was like, so if your partner, say it's your birthday or say it's an, it's just a rainy day and your partner comes home with some chocolate, does that sound good? Or what if they do the dishes or what if they do this or this? And every time, I guess, I or a lot of the time I was like, I would love chocolate. Like I, that moment I was just like, please bring me the chocolate. Yes, I choose the balloons. I choose the diamonds like whatever <laughs> I don't know what maybe we'll do the test later and we'll find out what exactly the questions are but I felt horrified I was like I can't believe that I got gifts like I'm terrible and of course Greg took it and he got quality time and then acts of service I think one of those two at the top and so I was like no this I can't have this. So I took it again and I got something different. And I don't remember what it was the second time. It might've been quality time the second time, but I took it a third time and I got something different the third time. So I started thinking like, what, what does this even mean? Like, ha this is thelovelanguages.com. In my head, I'm kind of putting this in the same category as like Myers-Briggs, like big five personality tests, the Enneagram, like all that stuff, which we should probably look into all of those things to be honest. But I at least thought this is based on something. And then I thought like, let's just look. And so I did one of my favorite things that, that I love doing this, but pretty much everything. I typed in love languages, debunked. I highly recommend you do that about anything and just see what it says because it's fast, always fascinating no matter what it is. But turns out this guy who made the love languages, first of all, is a big homophobic 
Christian church man. His name is Gary Chapman. And he has no training in anything to do with counseling at all. And he made the love languages so that he and his wife could not get divorced. Basically, they were going to get divorced, and then they worked through it because divorce is a sin. <laughs> so they didn't really have a choice. They had to work through it. And then they figured out this handy-dandy way to work through divorces, I guess. And so this was created for a group of people who believe that leaving the person you're married to is going to send you to hell. And so he also believes if you date, and probably if you're dating and not married, you're going to hell. You're probably, if you are, or sorry, 100% if you are in an, any sort of queer relationship, going to hell. All this stuff, hell for you. So um, right off the bat, that is... A, not a good sign. So he calls himself Dr. Gary Chapman. That's always like a big like ding, like what? Doctor of what? Doctor of what? So let's see. He's an author, a speaker, and a counselor. Okay, but he's not a clinical counselor. So what's his doctor in? Doctorate in. Doctor... Gary Chapman. Dr. Gary Chapman School. Where's Carrie when I need her? What? Wikipedia. Just as good as Carrie Poppy. Just kidding. Okay, so first of all, he's 84. Just so we all know. Nothing against people who are 84, but you understand. Okay, he has a doctorate in philosophy. Philosophy, not psychology. He has a master's in religious education. And by the way, his though both of those degrees are from the Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. So this is not like, say what you will about different churches and stuff, but he, his training was done all in evangelical universities. The evangelical university near where I live is famously a place for women to enroll so they find a husband and then they can drop out. I know that there's a lot of like legit people there, but I happen to know a lot of people who went to it for that reason. So that's the kind of institution that this is. So... He's also the chair of the Moody Bible Institute. Oh, oh, focus on the family? Gary, Dr. Gary Chapman is a senior associate pa pastor, and he is somehow, oh, he is, he's on many episodes of the Focus on the Family broadcast. So if you don't know Focus on the Family, your life is about to get worse. So Focus on the Family is a organization where I do believe they are very much, when they say family, they mean like white, nuclear, heterosexual, cisgender family. I'm pretty sure that they 
support gay conversion therapy. They are highly controversial and also highly bad. Let's see, conversion therapy. I don't wanna say that if it's not true, but human rights. 10 things you should know about focus on the fam family. Oh, 10 whole things, okay. So they've raised $500 million over the past five years, making it the most well-funded anti-LGBT organizations in America. They've invested in public education campaigns against LGBT equality. They, yeah, they promote conversion therapy. So that straight up, like that's torture. That stuff is torture. Um, they also talk about, ooh, they, of course, they deport, uh, oppose same-sex couples adopting. I mean, eh, yeah, all this. Call trans people mentally ill. Anyways, it's just saying that, like, the LGBT community is a particularly evil lie of Satan. It's just, like, their daily bread and butter. That's the kind of stuff they say all the time. So... Oh gosh, oh my gosh, I somehow have found the link to the focus on the family struggling with same-sex attraction. I feel like I'm going to vomit. I got to get off of this situation. Anyways, Dr. Gary Chapman, that was one of the first things that popped up when I looked him up. So we know who he's friends with. He's hanging out with Focus on the Family. He's doing all that stuff. That been scary facts about Dr. Gary Chapman. Okay, so there's lots and lots of pro problems. But what I wanted to also focus on is even if he was somehow, I don't know, qualified in some way. Maybe if we looked at this more of a, this is a philosophy book, even though it's very clearly pretending to be a marriage counseling book. Even if he wasn't this horrible, bigoted guy, the concepts are no good. The five love language concepts are garbage. And so there's a bunch of different ways in which they are garbage. I've read a couple of articles, maybe I'll link those, but I also have my own opinions here. So if we think about words of affirmation, so first of all, dividing anything into five, categories, you're automatically going to just miss a lot of things. I think one time that I took the test, I answered all the questions equally for each love language. So right, right away, that's not a good sign. And then if we think about each love language on its own, there's problems that come along with this. So Words of affirmation. If someone is in a relationship and a person is, say, wanting to hear words of affirmation and they're not, that is not a love language problem. If you are literally never telling your partner anything positive about them and probably criticizing them, putting them down, all this stuff, then yeah, that's not a, that you got to get out of there. And I do think if I had to 
No, but I, I do feel like that's a situation I've been in many times where I'm thinking like, I just, it's just that his love language is not words of affirmation, but mine is. And that's why he never says anything nice to me. Um, it, it, no, I think that words of affirmation are mandatory in every single relationship. And especially one where you see the person all the time because you're going to be talking to them. So if somebody never says anything nice or positive to you, they it's not because they have a different love language. They're just being a bad friend or a bad partner. Like you don't have to change anything. That's on them. So it's very the way that they set it up is very much like okay, well this partner actually does really love you, but they're speaking to you in a different language. When the truth is, we all, I mean, we don't all speak the same language, but we, if we can communicate with each other, fine. And it's not like women are from Venus and men are from Mars. That book also highly debunked. Those people are divorced, the people who wrote that. And like the idea, and of course, when this guy wrote this, he was thinking of a man and a woman being in a relationship. So this is something where I think if you're in a relationship and the person literally never says anything nice about you ever, the answer is probably leave. But that answer is not possible if you are in, in the evangelical Christian world that this guy lives in because then you go to hell. <laughs> so if divorce is basically Satan, the literal Christian devil coming to get you, you're going to find explanations for why it's okay that your partner's never saying anything nice or positive to you. Now, let's, okay, so giving gifts. This is a love language that I have heard so many times as an excuse for people who are honestly they're cheating. I mean, okay, they could be literally cheating, but what I mean is they're not engaging in relationships. So for example, I have many people in my family, especially on my mom's side where the slightly wealthier, more conservative people are, where they're like, oh, well, their love language is gifts. And that's why all anybody had to say about him at his 80th birthday was that they gave him a car. Sorry, he gave them a car. This is a story from my step-grandfather's birthday. Apparently, everybody went up and basically talked about how my step-grandfather gave them a car uh, <laughs> and had nothing else good to say about him. You cannot replace any of these other things with gifts. And very often, people use gifts to create power imbalances. So not all of us have the same amount of money. We don't have the same ability to get each other things. So when one person has a lot more money than the other, they are obviously able to speak that love language, I guess, and they can make you feel guilty about it. So you might think, my mom never says anything nice to me, never wants to spend time with me, but she does send me money. So that's her love language. That 
And so now I feel really guilty that I don't want to talk to her on the phone. No. If you also had as much money as your mom had in this imaginary situation, you could also just send a gift back and you'd be even. And in fact, you wouldn't need the gifts that your mom was sending you because you would have enough money to buy those things yourself. So if you're financially completely different from the other person, it's going to be a super weird imbalance where you're going to feel like you owe them no matter what. And they are going to be able to step out of any sort of hard work that relationships require because they happen to have more money. So just because you have more money and that means you can buy somebody a car or chocolate or whatever it is, it doesn't mean you shouldn't also say nice things to them, spend time with them. So that one's a total cop-out. The physical touch thing. We can already see how this one can go wild and crazy. So if somebody is like, I need to touch you because my love language is physical touch, or I need you to touch me because my love language is physical touch, that can take consent out of the picture. So if you say, don't want to be touched, but your partner who never says anything nice to you and doesn't spend time with you is grabbing you, you suddenly think, okay, well, this is the only time, this is the only thing that they've ever, this is their saying, this is them saying, I love you. So I better reciprocate or I better allow this, even if I don't want it, even if I feel like it feels icky or if it feels like I'm tired or whatever. So you can see how that can get like all messy real fast and just all the whole physical touch thing like it's nice to give someone a hug but if you don't want to give someone a hug you don't have to and there's nothing wrong with you and if someone says hey like my love language is physical touch and you never touch me why not it's because you don't love me and it's like maybe this is something that say your one of your parents is saying you're like i i don't want to hug you but i will spend time with you and i will talk to you and i will do all these other things but this is a boundary for me so i think one thing the love languages do succeed at is they do succeed at destroying boundaries they are boundary destroyers and we have quality time so quality time I mean it's the best one in my mind because it's like it is nice to like spend time with someone in a way that it where you're paying attention to each other but what does that mean? What's quality versus quantity versus what does it mean? And then it can definitely become a thing where you're hanging out, but you're like, oh, this is not quality time. Like we need to hang out in a more quality way. And I could see how it could get really weird and messy. Also, if one person wants to maybe say they're really lonely and so they are trying to get the person to stay at home and be with them all the time. I mean, I don't know. If your partner doesn't want to spend time with you, like maybe you should not be in a relationship with them or maybe you need some other friends you can hang out with. So 
yeah, there's, I, I noticed that some other people online had different problems with that one, specifically over the word quality, just because it's so vague, so vague, and it can just, it's just a great fire starter in terms of arguments. And then we have acts of service. So acts of service. This is such a typical one for people who, I mean, for people who want to get out of doing things like saying nice things, being present, like, like acknowledging people's emotions. Look, I did your laundry. You didn't even ask me to do it and I did it. And that's me saying I love you. You know what? You also have to say I love you. And the idea that everybody, so similar to the gift ones, the idea that everybody has the same amount of energy or spoons, as we like to say in the chronic illness community, the idea that everybody has the same amount of spoons to actually do things for other people is ridiculous. So say you're someone who's living with a chronic illness, you're a neurodivergent or whatever, and you're living with somebody who isn't. They are able to do a lot more things, probably get a lot more things done, and you are just kind of trying to get, just get through the day, and then they say, well, my love language is acts of service, and you didn't do anything for me today. Well, that's an unreasonable thing to ask. And once again, it can get into a situation where one person feels really guilty and feels like they owe the other person, even if they're not asking for the person to do those things for them. The person's like, but I'm doing them because this is how I tell you that I love you. And you really, there's not a lot you can do because you aren't gonna be like, please stop because it is nice that they're helping you, or, I mean, you could try and say, please stop, but they're going to say, I love doing it, but also, you owe me in some way. Also, you have to give me a hug when I, whatever. Usually, it's, once again, an imbalance in the relationship. Another reason why acts of service is problematic is, like, in my, in my, email I got from my mentor. It is very vague. So to ask somebody to do acts of service for you is like, and I know that if you do look into the website, they go into more specifics, but it is not like, it's not clear what is an appropriate kind of active service and how much does kind of start thinking like okay so if I do the dishes this one time you're gonna feel excited and loved but I can't do the dishes every day I just can't I don't have the energy for it so then like how can I um show you other ways that I love you other than actually actually doing things and when you are just using something as hi, my love language is acts of service, the person doesn't know where to start, really. Like, you could just, instead of saying, my love language is acts of service, you could say, can you do the dishes? 
And then the person could say yes or no. And you could say, can you do the dishes? It's really important to me. I'm so tired. <laughs> and that would make so much more sense. And like, if this is like a great way to just not have a conversation and then later be like, oh, you never do anything for me. And my love language is acts of service. And I do everything for you and you don't do anything for me. And when really in that moment or before, you should lay out what kind of things do you want your partner to do? And then you should share responsibilities and it doesn't have to be fun surprises. Like it doesn't have to be like, oh look, you did the dishes today. That's so nice. Uh, it should, because these are services that, well, when we're talking about services that need to get done, we can't just leave them up to like surprise. So if it's like, oh, I'm randomly going to clean your car one day. I mean, first of all, that feels a, like a big assumption that I'm okay with you cleaning my car. But also, like, not everything can be a surprise and be fun because sometimes things have to get done. So it's kind of creating a whimsical around just like a really nuts and bolts kind of thing that we have to do when we're in relationships, which is divide up responsibilities. And if, and also if we have this energy imbalance, it's going to be very obvious who's doing more things. And assuming that that means like the people are working the same amount for each thing, it would mean that one person is lacking when really what you got to think of is, okay, if I have chronic illness, me making a, a dinner is one of the three things I can do today. And if you can do seven things and making the dinner is one of the things, then you can see how this is not the same. So that's one of my problems with that one. So I'm going to I'm just going to go through some of the questions here because why not take a crazy chance on this love language, love language. Okay, just to give you an idea of what kind of questions they ask you. And this guy's written so many books, by the way. Like, he's making so much money off of this. So much money. <laughs> you believe it? He's been on The View. Wow. Okay, quiz apology language. Okay, that sounds like a whole other bag of worms. Can of worms, not bag of worms. Okay, so, oh my god. Okay, here's an example. Okay, so they don't have five where you choose five questions is where you choose from one of two things. It's more meaningful to me when I receive a loving note slash text slash email for no special reason from my loved one or my partner and I hug. Now, right off the bat, you can be like, well, I don't know. <laughs> Depends how I feel. <laughs> Do you mean right in this minute? Like, what would I prefer? Because, like, I mean, my partner's not here. So I guess I would prefer that he text me something nice but maybe if he was here it would be better if he hugged me and so I'll just choose the top one it's more meaningful to me when I can spend alone time with my partner just the two of us 
or my partner does something practical to help me out. Now, already I'm getting it. I'm having trouble with meaningful. What does meaningful mean? Ah, we're going crazy. So, I mean, like, I know my partner needs to do practical things to help me out because I have, like, a million mental illnesses and I just barely function. But is that, what does any of this mean? Anyways, that's an example of, of this stupid quiz. Uh... Yeah, it's more meaningful to me when my partner unexpectedly does something for me like filling my car or doing the laundry or my partner and I touch. So, I mean, one of those things happens more often than the other. So, I think it might be more meaningful if a person does all your laundry without you asking than if a person just literally holds your hand. But who knows? Anyways, this is my roast of the love languages. I'm going to come back with... I have multiple interviews that I did over the break, the season break. And I also have a whole story to tell you about my attempt to document myself re-watching a, a documentary that I watched when I was in my early 20s that totally gave me an eating disorder. And it may or may not have triggered a new eating disorder problem. So... We'll put a bunch of trigger warnings in front of that one, but that will be later. This is, this has been great. Hopefully I will see you soon or like I'll be in your ears soon. I don't know, man, but you can always message me at sarah.jickling on Instagram and also, I am on TikTok. It is a thing that's happening. And you can email me at sarah.jickling at gmail.com if you want to be on the podcast or you just want to tell me something as long as it's like a reasonable thing and not like a really mean thing. Anyways, we did it, friends. Season two. <laughs> I need to be under supervision. I can.